You are listening to the Your Shining Self podcast for women who need messages of hope, love, and transformation. And now your host, Tish. Hey there, listeners. I am so glad that you're here with me today. My guest today is an empowerment coach living a bold life, loving her dammits, and teaching others how to do it too. You can find her at ValSelby.com. Welcome, Val. Thank you for joining me. I'm so glad to have you here today. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited we're going to have this conversation today. Yes. So before we jump into talking about healthy boundaries, before I forget to mention, I just want to say, if you want the show notes from today's episode, head on over to shiningself.com forward slash V as in Victor, S as in Sam. That's shiningself.com forward slash VS. All right, Val, we are going to talk about a hot topic. At least I know it's a hot topic for me all about setting healthy boundaries. I know for me personally, for the longest time, I did not, sure I had some basic boundaries. I think we all, you know, have basic boundaries with like our own personal space and things like that. But, oh my gosh, when it came to, I guess, boundaries about taking care of myself or following my heart, doing things that I wanted to do. I never had any boundaries about that stuff. Whatever everybody else wanted around me, Tisha was always yes. Yes, Tisha. I called myself yes, Tisha, because yes always came out of my mouth, even if I meant to say no. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) yes. I'm so glad I'm so much better about setting boundaries now than I used to be, but it's still something that I really struggle with. So let's talk about, well, do you want to give my listeners an idea of what you consider healthy boundaries? Just in case somebody listening is like, well, I don't even really know what healthy boundaries are. Well, healthy boundaries for me really are putting yourself first. And even as I say that, I still struggle with the whole, oh my God, that's selfish. I still struggle with it. I'm probably going to always struggle with it because I think we just were taught that that wasn't quite okay for some of us. But putting yourself first means that you are telling people how you want to be treated. Yes. And I love that. When you touched on um, selfish and feeling selfish when we are setting a boundary, Heck, there's even been people close to me when I have set a boundary to take care of me first have told me, you're so selfish. You don't ever do anything for anybody else. And I just, oh, it pisses me off because. Right. And you know why it makes you angry is because that is such a wrong statement because you know you don't. You don't put, you always put other people first and you always have. So for them to say that is just like absolutely the opposite of how you've lived your life. Yes. And I can think of a very specific example for me. Um, Several years ago, oh my gosh, it's so hard to even still think about it. But at that time, my four-year-old nephew was diagnosed with leukemia. He is doing great now. He's been in remission um, and it's been several years, but I remember how, and I did it out of the kindness of my heart because at that time the most important thing was being there for my brother and my sister-in-law. I didn't do it because I felt obligated or like that's the right thing to do, but I 
put my life on hold as much as possible. Um, you know, lost a couple clients through it all because I was so devoted to doing whatever I could to help them with my other nephew, Grace, and why they were, you know, Jesus, I can't even imagine being a parent and having to deal with your little child going through cancer. I mean, mm. I'm just the aunt and it was just a devastating experience, but mm. Um, you know, so I did all that and then I still had somebody else come along and tell me, you're so selfish. You don't do anything for anybody else. And I'm like, have you seen what I've been doing? You know, the last couple years, <laughs> like it just, it really rocked me to the core that they had seen how much love and support I was doing, you know, like I, as much as I possibly could for them for my brother and my sister-in-law and then this other person to come along and be like, well, you're so selfish. You don't ever do anything for anybody else. Mm -hmm. And it just, it rocked me to the core because I was like, I don't even want to tell you what I told them because it was not very nice, but it's good though. They deserved it. As far it as just, I'm concerned. <laughs> yes. I just, Oh man. But why, like I constantly think about why as women, I can't speak for men because hello, I'm a woman, mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know, and just seeing like my friends and my family as women, why are we taught that it's freaking selfish when we set boundaries and put ourselves first? You know, because then on the other hand, you always hear, well, if mama ain't happy, you know, ain't nobody happy. Or, you know, if you don't fill up your love tank first, you can't, you know, take care of others. So it's such contradictory information and it just, it annoys me. So Val, let's talk about a time in your life. If you could give a specific example of when you weren't setting healthy boundaries for you, what, like, what was the effect of not having those boundaries? What, you know, your mental health, your, maybe your physical health, what was going on at that time in your life when you weren't setting those boundaries? I was absolutely wishy-washy. Like, depending on who I was hanging out with was how I was filtering how I could act. Um, you know, I, I can, I can even pull up people's faces, you know, when we'd be out doing stuff and I'd be getting the, you're too loud, you know, cause we're out in public, you know, or at a restaurant, everybody's drinking, having a great time. And I'm getting the, oh my gosh, you're so loud from people. Meanwhile, there's 14 other people that are all loud laughing and talking, but of course my laugh is a little bit loud and my voice is a little bit loud. And so I was the one that would get pinpointed and it's just like, but I can look back on it and those specific people and it's amazing how one in particular, he is that same way as well. He will be the one, the one that's loud. So it, my mom had told me at one time that when you're looking at people and you're critiquing people and there's things that you don't care for about them, take a look into yourself because it might be things about your own personality that you don't like. <laughs> oh Lord, I'm laughing because that's one I learned when you first go into AA, like you learn so much stuff. And one of the first things that I learned was if there is somebody, cause I had a few instances with a couple people at meetings that just annoyed the hell out of me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was bitching and moaning to my sponsor and she said, all right, Tisha, this is coming from a loving place, but you need to look 
inward at yourself because generally if somebody is annoying you it's about something within yourself and I was like screw you I don't want to hear that (laughs) but it's so true and how did you like take me and my listeners through what like what was the turning point in your life Val when you were like okay I can't freaking live like this anymore How did you come to the point where you were like, okay, this isn't working for me. I'm going to embrace who I am. I'm going to start setting boundaries. What, like what happened? Was there a pivotal point in your life that made those changes come about? There was a buildup because I had realized how my friends, and I'm doing air quotes right now um, because they're not, they're not in my life right now because I set boundaries. (laughs) I... I had gone through the oldest graduating. I had had a full hysterectomy where I just absolutely lost my mind after that because that was an immediate hormonal change that just rocked my entire world on top of the first graduating. And then a couple years later, the youngest graduated. So we had the empty nest and that put us through some stuff. We had sick, um, sick parents and one of them had already passed away and then my father-in-law passed away and my father-in-law absolutely adored him totally loved him was super super lucky to have him in my life for you know more than two decades he died on my birthday oh my gosh and I had had we had had like the most amazing birthday we knew he was sick and we had decided you know what we're just gonna go out of town and so that, that happened on my birthday. There's never going to be a worse birthday, right? I mean, that's, that's it. We were coming up on the first anniversary. It was a few months out. And I just was like, this is always going to be associated with my birthday. There's, there's nothing I can do about it, right? And I just was like, no, I'm done. I am done. I refuse to let a day that's supposed to be about celebrating me turn into a day of grief for the rest of my life. So I decided at that point that I was going to work on myself. I was going to take control of that day. And the biggest thing was I was going to start telling people what I needed, which that's a good one is not, it's still something that I have to work on because I asking for things It's not something that I was really trained to do. I was trained to be this independent, strong woman. And, you know, and I've always been this whole confident exterior and I can take care of everything. Um, Guess what? Nobody can take care of everything. And again, I think that boils back to because we're taught from a young age that we need to be independent that it's weak if we admit that we need help, which Mm -hmm. again, I think that's all bullshit because like you said, we can't do everything ourselves. There are moments in our life when we need help and we need to ask for it. And it leads us down into super unhealthy places because we don't think we can reach out because we need to take care of it. Especially now because we have the resources where we can go and figure everything out, right? So why are we not figuring it out on our own? Yes. So... Okay, well, first of all, I'm sorry to hear about the passing of your father-in-law. Death is never easy, easy at all. 
but to happen on your birthday, like I can't even imagine how difficult of a situation, not just for you, but like your husband and his family, um, that that would be because, you know, here's your day to celebrate, but yet the grieving of, you know, your husband's father and like, holy Toledo, I can't even imagine how difficult that must have been. So what happened when you came to that point where you were like, okay, no, I'm not letting this be about the death of him anymore. It's going to be about what a birthday is celebrating that person. How did your husband react and his family? What happened when you started to make that shift and that change? Well, my husband's totally fine because he would prefer that I tell him <laughs> what I need. You know what I mean? <laughs> what? He doesn't want to read your mind? Come no. on. Yeah. All, all these... men. All men are mind readers. They love having to do exactly. that. All these years. It's like, it was so much, a little bit easier for him because I was just like, he'd ask questions and he legit, if, if he's asking me what I want to do and he says he doesn't care, he legit doesn't care. Even after 30 years of being together, I still don't understand that because I legit have an opinion about everything. So <laughs> Raising both my hand, both my feet. Yep. So I can't understand that. So when I ask him and he's just like, I don't care whatever you want to do. I'm like, that's not an answer. And I stopped being that way. I'm like, he really does mean it. And if I get to change and have this personality, he gets to have that too, right? Yes. <laughs> so I, I just, when people would ask me a question, I'm working really hard at not answering it with another question for one thing. Um, I'm, I'm working on being okay with saying what I do want if somebody asks a question. I'm, I'm not prejudging what I'm gonna say as much. That's a really good point. The whole not, so if somebody asks you, you know, what you want, what you want to do, what you want to eat, for example, and, you know, not responding with a question. I'm so guilty of that. Like my boyfriend, we will talk about, we like to go out to eat on the weekends and he's always like, well, where do you want to have breakfast or dinner or lunch or whatever, you know, meal we happen to be going out for? And I'm like, I don't know. Where do you want to go? It's almost like it's been so programmed and ingrained in me that everybody else's needs and wants were so much more important than mine that even at, you know, 44 right now, I still feel like I can't you know, I can have something pop into my head like that, like, oh my gosh, you know, Red Robin sounds good or sweet tomato. And I'll still be like, oh, I don't care. Where do you want to go when it's a crock of shit? I do care. I do know where I want to go. Yeah. It's ridiculous because I mean, I'll, something will pop in my head. I mean, taking the where to eat, for example, it'll pop in my head when he's asking where I want to go. And immediately it pops through my head. Well, I know he doesn't like this place. I know he doesn't like this place. And it's like, so what? He's willing to go places that that he doesn't like sometimes. Just like I'm willing to go places that I don't care for as much. Or I don't have as many food options that I would like. You know, it's it's like, just tell them what you want. Yes. And then let them deal with it. Right. If they really don't want to go, then they're going to tell you, well, I don't really feel like that today. Like, yeah. Give them the option. <laughs> Yes. 
So I know we're kind of jumping all over the place, but when you were talking a few minutes ago, you know, you were talking about when you were told that your laugh was too loud and you're too loud. So one of the things that I mentioned when I was introducing you was about loving your dammits. So that's something that I love about you. I love your laugh. I love how boisterous you are. Like that was what I was so drawn to you when I first met you in person. And maybe it's also because I've been told I'm too loud and my laugh is too loud and I talk too much. So I have such a connection with you about that. But how did you come to the point in your life where you were like, and I know we touched on it a little bit because it boils down to like the boundaries and stuff, but how did you come to the point where you realized, screw what other people think. If they think I'm too loud, talk too much, my laugh is too loud, and whatever else list of things that you know they thought were quote unquote wrong with you, how did you come to the point where you were just like, screw it, I'm embracing that, and damn it, I like this about myself. It was it was at a point where I was not hanging out with the same people anymore and I was hanging out with other people and I can't remember a, a specific spot cause it was probably over time and different events. And I finally realized that when I was around a certain group of people, um, actually multiple groups of people, I didn't have a filter. I wasn't worried about how much I laugh all the time. I wasn't worried about the fact that I'm loud. Uh, I, I just, I wasn't, I, I wasn't feeling like I had to change to be around them. And then all of a sudden it'd be, we'd get invited to go and hang out with this group of people who were in the past really good friends at certain points. So it was, it was like family. I mean, it was, it was really hard to go through that, that whole boundary issue and realize that these are not my people anymore. And I, I get just tensed up even thinking about the fact that we're going to be there. And even in that group setting, I was analyzing the fact that, okay, well around this person, I'm not supposed to be this way. And around this person, I mean, we're talking about one event with 10 people that I was figuring in my head, I had to change, make changes around who I was around. And I'm just like, uh -uh, I'm done. And my husband's so totally okay with any of that at any time. Um, cause he doesn't want to hear about it. Cause of course I'm vocal. So I'm on bitch about it. <laughs> so he doesn't want to hear about it when we're at home. And I'm just like, I'm just, I, you know, I told him all of this. I, you know, I think I'm done. I said, I don't like who I am when I'm around any of them anymore. I'm like, I just don't, I don't like how I feel. I'm like, it feels like I'm back in high school again. And I don't like it. I don't want to be that way anymore. He's like, okay. <sighs> Yes, I have goosebumps listening to you talk about that because I, you know, have had a similar, um, I guess, metamorphosis is the word I'm thinking of. I don't know if that's the right one, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, when we have to filter ourselves to be around a group of people, not only is that, you know, damaging to us, but we're also missing out on the group of people that can handle our true authentic selves. Because as we continue to shrink and, you know, pretend to be this, okay, so for me, for example, I loved my church that I used to go to many, many years ago, but I'm also the chick that loves the F word. I can swear like a sailor, 
you know, so when I was around those people, I had to pretend and play that I was this sweet little, like, innocent church girl. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, there were times when I let the F-bomb fly and, you know, nobody really said anything about it, but I just was so, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I was so, um, like, I felt like a turtle. Like I could just poke my head out a teeny little bit, but I couldn't like fully emerge my head around these people because, oh my God, if they knew, you know, that I was drinking and Oh Lord, have mercy, premarital sex and mm-hmm. you know, all this mm-hmm. stuff. Like it was just, oh, I think about it now and I just have like this sick feeling in my stomach of how long I played somebody that I was not. And then there was my family, certain people in my family. I had to pretend that, you know, I had my shit together. I had my finances in order and I was way more successful than I was. And that was just, you know, causing more angst and anguish in me because, you know, now I have this other persona that I have to play around these people. There's the Mm -hmm. church persona. And then I had like a couple close friends that really knew me and I could just let loose, let my hair down and be like my authentic self. And like that group of people is the one, you know, that I wanted to surround myself with more people like that. But it's so damaging when we just pretend to be somebody that we're not. Life is so freaking short. And I guess maybe because you and I are both in our 40s, we've come to that point. And I know on a recent episode you did with Jennifer on your podcast, you know, you guys were talking about the, I don't know how you say it, IDGAF. Yeah, the IDGAF years. <laughs> and that is known as I don't give off and I'm sure people get what I'm saying. Um, And maybe that just comes with time as we step into our forties. It's almost like, you know, for me, I've just come into this like whole new person and I literally, well, I shouldn't say I literally don't give a blink bleep because sometimes I do still care what others think when I shouldn't, but I'm so glad, like I couldn't imagine knowing you years ago and thinking of, just how like different you would be compared to what I know of you in love now. Mm-hmm. I think I was like obnoxious because I felt like it was just bubbling. Um, Cause I didn't feel comfortable letting it loose. And it was one of, one of my things that I think is just really crazy is the fact that we look at other people and we encourage them to keep growing and changing and bettering themselves. But then we look at ourselves and we're like, nope, this is the way I've always been. I have to keep this way forever. I will die being this same way. You know, it's like, that's why are we, why do we do that to ourselves? Why are we not surrounding ourselves with people? Like, like with you, I mean, I, Definitely, you're one of them that's been brought into my life at the right time because you encourage the growth and the change. You're not like, nope, this is the way you've always been. You got to stay that way. (laughs) And so when I become more of exactly who I was supposed to be um, and who I was bottling up, I have brought in more people like you and Jennifer Burke and Kelly Moore and, and all of these people in my life that are encouraging. And if I want to change, they're like, all right, <laughs> go for it. 
Yes, and it's because you now have the boundary that you're not going to let people into your life that can't embrace and handle your true authentic self. Mm -hmm. And think of all the lives that you're now touching because you don't give a damn about what those other people used to think about, you know, your laugh being too loud and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And how valuable is that? You know, if we all continue to play small, shrink ourselves to be somebody we're not, it's, it's really sad if you think about it because we're missing the, the interaction and the connection with those people that need us. Yes, there are people that need us that laugh loud, talk too much. Hello, Val, you have a podcast too. I have a podcast and guess what? It's because we freaking like to talk. <laughs> exactly. We use it, right? We're using it for good. And yes. And, and part of that big thing is I know we were just, we were both at an event last year. And the more we share, the more people say, thank you. Because there are people that their personality, that's not their personality. They're not going to share as much and they're not going to need to talk it out. Like I have to talk everything out loud. <laughs> they're, they're just that that's not their damn it. And so getting told thank you for for sharing something that and it just comes natural is so nice because those people feel that they can come to me and and share privately yes and what i love about how we continue to um you know let ourselves grow and step out of our comfort zones I believe, Kelly McCausey said this to me before, and I believe it was just a couple years ago when I was in Atlanta with her and she um, invited me to face a fear of heights and a glass elevator. So we rode a glass elevator to like the 72nd floor of this hotel or something. And I was scared shitless. <laughs> I'm having an anxiety attack with you right now. <laughs> yeah, it was not pretty. There was some words that came out of my mouth that first time I did it. I ended up doing it like one or two more times, but she said something really important that has stuck with me. And I actually, I need to write it down and stick it somewhere that I can see it every day. But she said, as we, and I don't remember her exact words because it's been a while, but um, I think it was in a Facebook post and I have it screenshotted somewhere um, about when we take an invitation to like face a fear or, you know, play big, step out of our comfort zone, something like that, it turns into an invitation for all of those around us. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, Damn, that is really powerful because going back to that example of that glass elevator, I was so freaking scared to do it, but me being willing to take the invitation to face that fear actually encouraged two other people to participate also. Um, Nicole Dean, who is also afraid of, um, you know, heights mm -hmm. because of my willingness to do it. She was like, okay, well, I'm going to step up and I'm going to do it too. And then her daughter happened to be in Atlanta with her. So Delaney is Nicole's daughter. Delaney also joined us. So it was just this, it reminds me of like a domino effect. I said yes, which knocked down one domino for Nicole to say yes. And then Nicole knocked down the next domino for her daughter to say yes. So how powerful that just by us being willing, you know, to step step into who we are, our authentic selves, it just opens up mm 
and gives other people permission and an invitation to do it too. Mm -hmm. exactly. So I love that. Um, so Val, if we have anybody listening right now, and I know we were talking about um, <clears throat> boundaries as well as, you know, your dammits, it all kind of ties in together. So if somebody is listening right now and they are really struggling with being able to set some boundaries in their lives and, you know, they're feeling like it's selfish or they're being told that it's selfish, do you have a couple tips or some advice that you can give them like, how can they go about, it doesn't have to be like one great big thing where they immediately cut everybody off in their life that is, you know, crossing these boundaries. What is just like a tiny little step that they can do to start working on putting those boundaries in place? One thing in my Bold Boundaries workshop that, um, that works really nicely is to write down a list of the people that you like to be around. Like if if their name pops up on your phone, it makes you smile. If you're on Facebook and you see that there's a new notification, it makes you smile. Uh, write down those people and then write down what about them you like. And really focus on that and why you want to, and then why you want to be around them more. I think that's, that's part of the hard part with setting boundaries is there are people that you just have to cold turkey cut out of your life. Um, they're really toxic and they got to go <laughs> for you to be who you really want to be. So if you focus on those people that bring the really good stuff in your life and focus on how you can hang out with them more, how can you be around them more? Um, I think that's the, the easiest step to do that because then you don't really have to push the other people out of your life. You're just making the other people a priority. Yes. Ooh, I love that. Okay. So my next question is, if there is family members that my listeners are having trouble with, these family members are toxic, it's not always so easy to cut a family member out of your life. What do you recommend for my listeners if they do have, you know, some issues with toxic family members? What can they do to you know, maybe cold turkey them if that needs to be the case, or how can they kind of, you know, step away from the family members a little bit? Have any advice for that situation? Well, when you have to really look at the fact, is this abuse for one thing? Um, if it is, then just cold turkey, um, period. Uh, and, and please go seek help elsewhere, because I know the there's verbal abuse and all of that that has come into play and sometimes for multiple years. So take a look at that, but barring that that's not the case and it's just unhealthy because they put you down all of the time. Take a look at why this makes you feel that way just a little bit, but is there anything that you want to salvage from that relationship? Why do you want to still have a relationship with them? Um, take, take a little bit of a look at that. The biggest thing is probably take a break as much as you can. Um, and when I just said that, I just want to kick myself for saying that, um, we have the power to take the break when we want to take the break. If we want to feel better about ourselves, then that is our choice and it has nothing to do with anybody else. We make yes. the choice to hang around people that make us feel bad. 
Yes. Oh my gosh. So good. That was giving me goosebumps as you were talking about that. It is really hard. I've had some hard conversations with my mom and I absolutely love my mom, but my brother is a, I, I can't be around him. He's toxic. And that was one really hard conversation. And here's one thing with the boundaries. That's a super positive, even though it was really, really hard to do. Um, I had, to, and I can, I can picture the entire conversation because it was just such a pivotal point in the relationship with my mom. And I had to sit there and have the conversation with her that I don't want anything to do with my brother anymore and why. And I knew I was breaking her heart because these are her two kids, right? Mm -hmm. And I just was like, this is nothing about you. This is how I have to go forward. I don't, I don't feel safe anymore. And since having that conversation, it has opened up the fact that my mother and I can pretty much talk about anything now because so our relationship has changed for the better so much because I was willing to sit down and have that really hard conversation with her. And now I don't have, our boundaries are way better than they used to be. It improved our boundaries because I was, I was open to telling her how my boundaries were going to be. Um, and we have, we have a blast now. We go and do all sorts of crazy stuff now. And, <laughs> and that's just not even part of the conversation anymore because we had that conversation. So she's allowed to talk about stuff that she's going through with him. And I don't feel like I have to give advice and I don't feel like I have to be a part of it because we had that, we set that boundary. Oh man, I love that because sometimes it is, like you said, it was, you had to sit down and have a hard conversation with your mom. So sometimes that is what needs to be done. And for me personally, I have a family member who I love her, but we have come to the point that my boundary is we cannot talk about like Christianity or biblical things because mm -hmm. she pisses me off and I don't agree with some of the things that she believes and then when I get pissed at something, you know, that she's said that I don't agree with, it just turns into this nasty, you know, we'll text back and forth. Just, I right. can test, I can text nasty things when I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> so it just came to the point that, I mean, we have a lot of surface level conversation, you know, how's the weather where you are? How are you today? Which is really boring because surface level conversation just kind of sucks. But yeah. anyways, it was the point that I want her in my life. I still want the relationship with her, but we cannot have like those conversations because it just does not turn out well. Yeah. It just um, can't go down the religion route. <laughs> yes. Which, oh Lord, we could rabbit trail down that about <laughs> Facebook and the oh, political. Oh yeah. Don't even get me started on all that. But um, yeah. anyways, this has been such great conversation, Val. Before we end the call, is there any other um, piece of advice or tips or anything that you would like to leave my listeners with? I just, I really want you to pay attention to the fact that the things that make you uniquely you that you've probably been told you need to change because they are such a part of you are actually the things that you need to share the most with the world. So like Tisha and I both are loud and we like to talk and we both started our podcast and we both like to share. Um, we're using those, I call them our dammits um, cause it's, 
I finally got to the point where it's like, damn it, I like this about myself. <laughs> and I'm just going to share it with everybody because that's, that's the easy way. <laughs> it's so much easier and it's not as exhausting if you just get to take your, your damn it and share them with the world. So I encourage everybody to figure out what some of those things are and just embrace them. Great advice. And I love that that's how we are closing out the conversation. And again, listeners, thank you so much for being here. Thank you again, Vale, for being here. If you want the show notes from today, don't forget to head over to shiningself.com forward slash V as in Victor, S as in Selby. And Vale and listeners, have a great day. Bye, guys. That's a wrap for today's episode of the Your Shining Self podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a comment, and share with others that need a message of hope, love, and transformation.